What's up, everyone? Hello, and well, welcome back to another episode of Space Talk. I'm your host, Athena Brensberger, also known as Astro Athens. So hope you guys are doing well. Hope this episode finds you at a very uh, wonderful afternoon or wherever you're listening from. I hope you're having a wonderful morning, evening, or maybe late night. Uh, so speaking of late night, who was up catching the lunar eclipse last night? Um, I got to see it. I am so excited. Uh, the picture of this episode is literally me with the blood moon during its totality moment of the eclipse, which is that part where it passes in the umbra, which is the part uh, where it is directly behind Earth. Earth is silhouetted from the moon's perspective and is casting its shadow on the moon. And it is super reddish in color, which is really cool looking. Uh, I did not stay up for the entire eclipse. I didn't see it go back to a white full moon, Um, but it was really cool. Uh, so, so if you guys did get to see it, please let me know if you took any pictures. Um, and maybe you could send them to me or you could tag me on Instagram or wherever, uh, you are maybe posting them. Um, so yeah, it was really cool. What I loved is that I stepped outside and there was a bunch of other people outside looking up at it. Um, and then we walked like a few blocks down and there was more people outside looking at it. So really cool moment really happy that the skies were clear. Um, oh, no, sorry that the sun was already up by you, Evelyn. Oh, darn. Well, hopefully you can catch some of the events that are happening this week, uh, which we're going to hop into for this episode. Um, let's see if there's any other announcements. Uh, so I am putting together a list of some more upcoming interviews, which I'm really excited about. And the upcoming episodes for this week are going to get a little bit um, interesting. I'll just say that. Um I have started with, uh, let's see, tomorrow, um, our episode number 75 is going to be why astrology became so popular and why it isn't accurate. Uh, it is, yeah, probably a really uh, common topic that uh, we'll get mixed up with with astronomy or astrophysics, and I will get that quite a lot from people. And so I thought, you know, let me just sort of go into it. Um, because I have a pretty interesting upbringing around astrology, and uh, that tied a lot into sort of my decision and my deep dives into the um, science of astronomy, and then into sort of where astrology began and how it evolved and how it got to where it's at today. And uh, I really, really tried to, to sort of give it the benefit of the doubt as far as like its potential accuracy, but they're just, I'll get into it tomorrow, it just wasn't there. Um, so really, really fun. I think it's gonna be a really interesting episode. So you guys should definitely tune in tomorrow to that one. It'll be at 3pm Central Time. Then we've got our historical figures, and then astronomical engineering and string theory. So we've got a quite a lot more episodes coming up. So let's jump into this week's space events. If you did receive my weekly transmission, you'll notice the picture of the black hole there. Uh, we did already do an episode kind of covering that image and how it was taken and what exactly we're looking at. So if you want to go back to that previous episode, just uh, check out the one that's titled Breaking News, uh, first picture of the black hole of our galaxy. So to get into our stuff for today, um, I'm going to start off with astronomy term of the week. So sometimes I'll kind of do this in a different order, but that's because I think it'll be really helpful for us moving forward, especially in the field of astronomy whenever we're doing any type of stargazing. 
Um, so by the way, I have not done our question yet of the day. So I've been kind of starting off each episode asking a question to prompt you guys to maybe comment something in the chat other than saying hello, which also I'm happy to see Adara here, Cartavia, uh, Evelyn, Joshua, and Mario, plus two others. Um, so let's see. We asked what our favorite drink was last week. So we spoke about our animals. Let me see. Let me come up with something interesting here. What would be if you were going on a mission to the moon and you could only bring two objects or two things, what would they be? If you were to go on a mission to the moon, it wouldn't be forever. It'd be for a short vacation. What would be the two things you would bring to the moon? All right, go. Comment. Awesome. Um, oh, nice to see Carson here. What's up? What's up? All right. So astronomy term of the week this week uh, are two different words, right ascension and declination. If anyone here has ever done any stargazing or read through an astronomy magazine, you probably have seen RA slash DEC. Right ascension and declination are the coordinates for objects in space. Basically think about it as like a longitude latitude. Uh, where uh, This is definitely useful when you're trying to make observations with a telescope to know exactly what you're looking at uh, and where to look. This is also really helpful if you're looking for a specific object especially one that's really far away, like a galaxy, because it's really hard to pinpoint where exactly it is in the sky. But if you have a good telescope and you are able to put in those coordinates, the telescope will be able to bring you exactly to where you need to look. So right ascension is the angular distance measured from east to west, starting from Aries or the vernal equinox, whereas declination is the angular distance measured from north to south of the celestial equator. So there's some pretty good images online if you wanted to look up right ascension and declination. Um, I always like to share that. So what I'm going to do actually is I'm going to open this up in, let's see if I can open up this email in my web browser so you guys could actually see this. And then I'll share the link with you all in the chat. So if you want to look up RA slash DEC, just for your own your own searching is a really good site here on sky and telescope which is one of my favorite websites to reference uh, there's always uh, really good information on there as far as things you can see so this is a pretty good um, article that kind of breaks it down if you want to scroll down to the third or fourth diagram uh, both of those are really helpful for sort of just understanding where exactly things are in in perspective to earth so moving forward, uh, right ascension declination, very helpful when looking for objects. But for our must-see celestial events for this week, which is May 16th to the 23rd of 2022, our first event happens on May 17th. Mars will be passing 0 0.6 degrees south of Neptune at about 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Then on May 21st, Mercury is in inferior conjunction at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Moving forward, May 22nd, the moon will be passing 4 degrees south of Neptune. This is early morning, about 6 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. If you haven't heard about degrees before, this is maybe your first time joining Space Talk, uh, hold out your fist at arm's length. 
And from your index finger knuckle to your pinky knuckle is 10 degrees in the astronomical uh, degrees degree understanding. So that would be in the sky if you're measuring things. Your pinky is one degree. So if you use your pinky and say that, you know, for May 22nd, the moon will pass four degrees south of Neptune, it would be four of your pinkies right underneath each other. And that is how you can find both Neptune and the moon. So if you're outside and you're kind of observing the moon with your own eyes, but you want to see Neptune, it'll be too dim to see with the unaided eye. So grab a pair of binoculars or a telescope, and if you can point it just about four degrees north of the moon, you'll be able to see that. The last event, I went ahead and made a sky chart. This is for May 23rd, early morning, about 45 minutes before sunrise. You have a wonderful view of the four major planets of our skies and the moon. This crosses from east to west, passing south of the constellation Pisces. So wake up early to catch this planetary show. If you guys want to make your own sky chart for your location, this is one of my favorite links to use. This is on skyandtelescope.org. There is the link. Oh, it looks like it did not send. Just curious, has anyone commented anything in the chat? It looks like I'm not able to leave any more comments. So if you guys are able to maybe... Let me know if you guys can leave a comment in the chat right now, or if you have left a comment, I don't see it. So can you send me an emoji? Some t- okay, I got an emoji. So it means that you've left a comment and I cannot see it. So there may be some updates happening on the app and that is perfectly okay. So maybe I'll be able to see it after I post it. So in that case, I'm not going to know what the objects you guys will want to bring to another planet or to actually to another celestial body. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up this chat. Um, I'm going to open up the room for if anyone wants to call in. And I just, I say the pub pub room is public. So if you guys want to call in and let me know what your answer is, feel free to, you are not interrupting. I'd love to hear from you. And if you don't want to call in, that's okay too. I'm going to proceed with some of our astronomical events. Oh, it looks like we've got a caller. All right, Joshua, you are on the microphone. What are the two things you'd want to bring to the moon? Um, I said hemp milk, and then I took the fifth. Um, not a fifth of liquor, necessarily. Uh, I took I took the Fifth Amendment, uh, so that's what I put in the chat. Uh, that's all I had for today. Enjoy. Oh, show. got it. Okay. <laughs> And you know, I'm not even surprised about the hemp milk either. Uh, uh, For anyone who doesn't know, uh, Joshua has joined our calls quite a few times, and he uh, definitely is a fan of of more so hemp being used as a fabric, which is really interesting, or in various different forms, also as milk. Um, And I use a protein powder that is actually derived from hemp, and it is very, very good. Um, I usually get the, the vanilla one from Trader Joe's. It's really, really great. Awesome. So if anyone else wants to call in and share what you would bring to the moon, feel free to. Um, oh, it looks like Adara's calling in. Okay, Adara, what's up? You're on the microphone. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Long time no talk. We were I just know. talking right before this. <laughs> yes. Um, so if food and water is already supplied, then mm-hmm. <laughs> my two things would be recording equipment to record a song. While I'm on the moon, obviously I wouldn't. Of course, outside, you know. But um, and then like some sort of telescope to just see the sky from a different view. Uh, 
That's I great. almost said picnic supplies to have a picnic on the moon like Wallace and Gromit, but I'm not sure if everyone's seen that cartoon or not. <laughs> um, I have it. Wallace and who? Gromit. It's Gromit. amazing. They have a picnic on the moon. They build this spaceship in their garage, and it's him and his dog. It's like a British clay animation. Yeah, I've seen these guys. And then they say that the moon is made of cheese, so they bring crackers, and they cut things off of the moon to have crackers and cheese. Oh, this is amazing. I, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. This is so cool. I highly recommend you watch that one. <laughs> oh, I'm going to share this link in the chat. I'm so happy you came on here and shared that. <gasps> yeah, thank you. I'll let other people call in, but thank you. Oh, thank you, Adara. That is so cool. Wow. So I just shared a link of wallaceandgromit.com. And there's a picture here of the link I just shared that says Pit picnic on the moon. That is so cool. I love that. I, I have not come up with an answer yet. I know I haven't shared it. I'm still thinking, to be honest. But um, but uh, I guess, yeah, it's probably some kind of like camera equipment for sure. I'll definitely want a camera, like a, yeah, maybe if I could like get like a two-in-one camera and telescope, that'd probably be one, one of my items I'd want to bring. Um, would be like a, a two-in-one yeah, telescopic recording device of some sort. Um, and uh, I, I was like, I, I'm thinking maybe a journal, but maybe not. I, I'll think of the second item. So if you guys are just joining, the question of the day is, um, if you were to go to a, a, go on a trip to the moon, what would be the two items you would bring? Um, and water and food would already be supplied. So it wouldn't be that. It would be for a vacation that you would bring if you were going to the moon. So Adara shared that she would bring um, a recording device for her to record music on the moon, which doesn't shock me at all. If anyone doesn't know who Adara is, we did an episode together where she was a special guest here on Space Talk, and you've got to go check out some of her music on Spotify. Um, she is such an amazing singer and one, one of my really, really good friends as well. Um, and then the other object was a telescope. And then Joshua came on and he mentioned that he would bring hemp milk um, which would probably be good for a space picnic or a picnic on the moon. Um, okay, so moving into other space events of the day. What's up, John? What's up, Carson? What's up, Charlie? Happy to see you all here. What would you guys bring uh, on the moon if you went on a vacation there? Which is, I really truly do believe is going to be within our lifetime where there's going to be vacations, at least to space. Which, quick announcement... My friend Kat, through social media, haven't actually met her in person yet, or, or Katya, just got chosen to go to space on the next Blue Origin flight on May 20th. So sound the alarm there. That is really exciting. I know I will now know three people who've been to space as citizen astronauts on top of a couple other astronauts that I've had the, the pleasure of meeting. But like, so, so cool. Like, actually, I've known a few individuals who are going to space. So it's only a matter of time before before we all go here on Space Talk. So she's going to be going on the next Blue Origin flight um, on May 20th. So definitely tune in. She was selected for the Citizen Astronaut Program through Space for Humanity, which is a really great organization where um, I also did apply uh, to their at Citizen Astronaut Program. So I think, I'm not sure if uh, I bet applications are probably ongoing. So you may be able to apply and maybe get selected. So little side note there. All right. So that's everything for what we could see in the sky this week. Um, 
Deep sky objects, uh, we don't have anything that's really an optimal visibility for this week. So sorry, guys. Uh, but if you do have a really great telescope and you're not by any light pollution, you can still see kind of some of the, the usuals of some deep, messier objects, but you'll need a really great telescope. So just to name a few, if you head to the link I shared of the interactive sky chart, you can put in your location and you can sort of select the toggle that says deep sky objects in the bottom left. And you've got M51, so Messier 51, another Messier object um, that should be pretty visible. It's it's directly overhead, uh, will be really dim to see, but if you have a really advanced telescope, you can see it. You have M44 in Cancer, M81 and 82, and then you've got M13. Uh, there's a bunch more, but for sure, if you want to generate your own sky chart, um, go ahead and do that with the link I just shared. So if you are going to be doing these deep sky object observations, um, you're going to want to avoid the moon because the moon phase of this week is the third quarter moon. So it's going to look like a half moon. And for those of you who maybe caught the lunar eclipse yesterday, uh, you know that the moon is full. It's a full phase. It's in its full phase right now, full moon phase, and it's shrinking. So now it's going back into a half moon approaching new moon where it's totally dark. So on May 22nd at 1.43 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the moon reaches its third quarter phase. Okay, so that's everything for space things uh, as far as what you can see in the sky. Now we're moving into our space history. So what happened this week in space? This is probably one of my favorite things I've started to do on a frequent basis because I've learned so much about how far we've come when it comes to spacecraft technologies and rocket technologies. And I think it's super fascinating and exciting. And there was a few up things that uh, events that happened last week that I missed. So I'm going to be covering all of those. We've got May 17th in the year 1974 was the launch of the first geosynchronous weather satellite. We talked about geosynchronous before. This is a satellite that is synchronized with the motions of Earth. And so um, it is synchronized with as the Earth rotates, it will also rotate as opposed to geostationary, where a stationary satellite would be pointing to specifically just one area of the planet. Um, so whether that is one country, one city, etc. Uh, this one was the first time that this technology was actually uh, tested. It was launched and it was it was it was it was made. This is um, it was, was known as SMS one. It launched on a Delta rocket from Cape Canaveral, Florida. This was on May seventeenth, in nineteen seventy four. Then on May 18th in 1969 was the launch of Apollo 10, which transmitted the first color television pictures to Earth from a crew in space. It's so pretty, pretty cool. Um, and then moving forward into other space history that I missed in May, May 9th in 1979, Pioneer Venus 2, which was a spacecraft, plunged five separate probes into Venus's atmosphere to study the climate, the chemical composition, and atmospheric conditions of the planet. So this is the first time that there was a, a spacecraft that went to Venus and probed its atmosphere to understand a little bit more about its climate. Um, and this is where uh, you know a lot of data, a lot of information ended up coming back on its research, uh, specifically around you know how 
Venus has this runaway greenhouse effect, how Venus has really thick uh, atmosphere, how it has a very, very harsh climate uh, once you start to reach its surface. Then moving into the other space event, on May 11th in 2009 was the STS-125 mission. This was a space shuttle mission, and this was the fifth and final mission to the Hubble Space Telescope. So it was to service the telescope. This was the final one. That was a servicing mission. The crew made its final repairs on the Hubble Space Telescope to keep it in operation. And the Hubble Space Telescope is still in operation today, even with the James Webb Space Telescope. So that is everything as far as our space history goes and our deep sky objects and our astronomy word of the week. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just open it up to you guys. If anyone else wants to come on here and join, maybe ask a question, maybe give a reaction to the black hole picture that came through. If you guys haven't seen the black hole photo yet, you definitely got to check it out. It's the super massive black hole at the center of our galaxy. We did an episode a few days ago on it. Um, and I would love to hear what your thoughts are. But for now, if, if you know, no one wants to join, I'm going to look into what currently came back from the James Webb Space Telescope. And I'm going to share this link with you all in the chat. This is from NASA's website. That is a comparison between the Spitzer Space Telescope and the James Webb Space Telescope. Both images are shot in the infrared part of the electromagnetic spectrum or EM spectrum. And so longer wavelengths, reading the heat signatures of these objects, um, and just looking at that comparison is like, <laughs> this This basically makes me think about the first time I used my digital telescope. Um, I use a unistellar scope. It's known as the EV scope two. And my first picture looks like the one on the left, Spitzer. It was blurry. It was these blobby objects. Uh, it was really pixely. And then I finally learned how to use the telescope. And it looks like the picture on the right, <laughs> which is taken by James Webb sharper you can see the you can see the stars in more detail you can see the the refracting of the starlight that is being uh, uh, reflected off of the mirrors on the space telescope and you're able to see this this really crystal clear image of some of the space dust in this region of the sky um i just clicked on it and made it very large there we go uh so this is really cool so this was um taken let's see when was this taken i actually just pulled this up right now so this was posted on may 9th in 2022 so this year and um yeah you guys should definitely check that out i'm not quite seeing too much too much information here you could definitely read this just on your own but this is a really uh cool picture kind of just imaging some of that that interstellar gas that we see out in space which we did an episode on yesterday kind of talking about um what the different types of nebulae are uh, and what, what a nebula actually is and why it's important for the cycle and life cycle of stars. Oh, it looks like we've got Adara back. Yay. Hi, Adara. Welcome back. Hi. Um, I don't, these are probably <laughs> simple questions that I should know, but um, I have two questions. So yeah. first with the black hole image at the center of our galaxy, I know a little while back they had you know, gotten an image similar to that of a black hole, like one of the first images they were able to get of a black hole. And why did this one come later? Like, why was this harder for us to see than the first image they got? And I'm not sure what black hole, like where it was. 
That is such a good question. And that's not even an easy question that we should know the answer to because I actually don't know the answer to. My assumption would be that this galaxy was being studied. The first one. So it was M87 was the galaxy that the black hole was the first picture that came through, which was April 2019. Um, And I really think it was just because this was an area of study for those at the Event Horizon Telescope, which was an array of eight different telescopes around the world that put that picture together. So I think, like I said, I think it was already an area of study. I don't actually know why that was the first picture that came through rather than our own. Um, But the reason why they decided to go into our own as well, I'm not quite sure. Maybe because once... It was figured out how you could actually process such a sharp image of the area around the black hole, which is that like kind of light light blob we see. They were like, oh, maybe we should try to do the same with our supermassive black hole. Yeah, I mean, that makes That's sense. my I assumption. Just, I didn't know if it was somehow harder for us to see the one in our own. Um, and then my other question with the two images you uh, sent on that last link with the stars being a lot more crisp before. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> why do the stars have those lines coming out of it? Like, why does the light look like that when they're a circle and they're glowing all around? Like, I don't even know what that's called. Um, that's like the bending of light. So that's okay. that's the, the uh, light from the star being refracted through the lens of the telescope and then oh. being reflected and bouncing off the mirror and then processing it to this image. That's the extent in which I know. Um, okay. So it's not like <laughs> it's, how light works out there. It's just a lens thing. Well, yeah, because we can do this. So um, we can do this with like our own fingers. So like if we were to, if you take your thumb and your index finger and you just sort of squish the um, the tips of the finger together and then you take the index finger of your other hand and sh- sort of shape a triangle And if you were to hold that over the sun, where you're basically eclipsing the sun, it'll split the sunlight into a spectrum of of rainbow. It'll be literally the spectrum of the sunlight. So it's going to split it into a rainbow. And so it's just has to, we're we're bending, we're refracting the light coming from the sun. So you could do that with your finger and it'll make a very similar thing. So um, it's not just that, that this is what the stars look like in space. It's that there's a lot of light coming from these brighter stars and the way that it's kind of like bouncing off, off of the inside of the telescope. I'm going to go ahead and get a refracting telescope diagram for you guys. So you kind of see like what is happening, refracting and reflecting. Actually, I want both of those. Um, then you can sort of see uh, hopefully better of what, what I'm trying to explain without providing visuals. Um, Let's see here, finding quite a few. This is a kind of weird diagram. Here, I'm gonna share this one, telescopeguides.com. Here is this link if you guys wanna check that out. Because it is a little tricky, I think, to try to explain this just verbally, but you're, you're seeing it sort of come in and it's bending, it's bouncing the light off of the lens. Um, And this would be a a refracting telescope and a reflecting one would have that giant mirror. And the James Webb, as you might've seen, has that, those huge honeycomb mirrors. So it's bouncing a lot of that light off 
to then be able to process all of that and condense all the photons together to produce it one really, really sharp image. Um, so it's trying to gather in as much light as it can. Awesome. So I hope that no, makes that does. You're really, sense. That's you're my, really that's my way of understanding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's the best of my knowledge. I think someone who actually like builds telescopes or, or has, is a professional photographer would probably be able to explain this a little bit better. No, that was great. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. Thank you for coming on Adara. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Yay. Bye. <laughs> Let's see. We've got another one here. Pa- Backyard Gnome. Oh my god, this this looks like a really weird website. Never mind, I'm not going to share that link. It just popped up like the, the the spam page. Okay, so that being said, that is James Webb. Um, and lastly, I'm going to head to astronomy picture of the day. If you guys want to join me, you can go to apod.nasa.gov. Or you can go ahead and select that link in the chat. I'm so happy we have this chat feature. I can just share all these links all the time. Um, Let me know that you guys are receiving the links, by the way, if you want to do that by sending me an emoji since I can't see your comments right now for some reason. Um, At least let me know. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you could see the the links. So this is a really cool picture. Uh, I never seem to... uh, Yeah, like not be shocked by pictures that come through on Astronomy Picture of the Day. This one is... The Milky Way over French Alp Hoodoos. So Hoodoos are these rocks, these like rock spires, which is pretty cool. And they're likely millions of years old. That's pretty fascinating. That's really cool. It says, rare but found around the world, Hoodoos form when dense rocks slow to the erosion of softer rock underneath. The pictured Hoodoos survive in the French Alps and are named Demoiselle's Cliff. I, I can't. I can't even try to pronounce that name. That's. Uh, it's. it's uh, not sure what language that is. I think it's French since it's the French Alps. Uh, but the English translation is "ladies with hairdos." Ah, <laughs> uh, it's. It's really funny. Ladies with hairdos. So if you don't know what picture I'm talking about, just go to Astronomy Picture of the Day. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but what makes this really cool is sort of all the all the speckles of stuff you could see, which are all the stars. I mean, they're just, when you have like a really high def camera or just a high quality camera and you can see all these stars, I mean, it's so, it, it makes it feel a little bit more crowded <laughs> than empty. Whereas we look up at our sky now and if you have some light pollution, there's just like, the sky is like so dark. It feels like it's just sort of us floating in space. But in pictures like this, it makes it feel like it's just a little bit more, um, yeah, a little bit more busy than we might have actually previously thought. This is this is a really really stunning image, um, and it never yeah it never ceases to amaze me these types of pictures. Also, I've never seen a picture of the Milky Way like this, um, where it just has so much red and, and violet uh, going on inside of it and fuchsia. So they definitely must have done quite a few. Um, Let's see, quite a few images and long exposures and overlaid it. They probably used a few different filters too. I'm guessing maybe some ultraviolet and some was probably shot in infrared in order to bring through that kind of reddish color. So it's picking up on heat signatures in this area, um, certain elements that are present. Uh, and then, yeah, layered that on top to kind of make this, this colorful picture. Uh, and it also mentions that... Um, this is the Cygnus Sky region. So this is a certain part of 
the Milky Way that we're able to see. So if you click on Cygnus Sky, it'll bring you to this link, which I'll share, um, which also is super stunning. And this shows you a whole other part of um, sort of all that like hydrogen gas that makes up a big portion of sort of this like condensed region that forms into the spiral arms of our galaxy. And this is one of them. Now, if you want to look at a bird's eye perspective, let me give a Milky Way galaxy. Uh, we don't have a real picture of the Milky Way galaxy, so they're all kind of artist renditions. Um, oh, this is a little bit of a complicated image, but it sort of does sort of does the trick. So here, check out this. This is from just good old Wikipedia. And if you want to look at that image, uh, it shows you, if you look kind of like right in the center part where there's kind of like circles, you've got Cygnus Spur and Cygnus X. So you have this sort of Cygnus region of coming off of the Perseus arm, just above the Sagittarius arm, where you have a lot of kind of condensed regions of the sky. You got the Rosetta Nebula here, you got NGC 288. And this is what we're able to see a lot in our sky because this is where we're located. You'll see if you really zoom to the center part, it says sun. It has sun, it has the Pleiades, the Orion Nebula, and the Orion Spur. So this is what we'll see a lot of times at night. I sort of kind of go back to Adara's question of like whether or not it's more difficult to probably image our black hole. Uh, it probably is pretty tricky because of all of this other like interstellar dust and gas that sits between us and our black hole. And because of two, if you look at the very center of our galaxy, you have Sagittarius A with an asterisk. Um, so that is that black hole. And then you have this bulge and you have this bar and you have all of this stuff that's accumulating around this really massive region of the sky that has a very strong gravitational effect on everything around it. And so there's just so many things that are, that are just kind of in between us and this black hole it probably is a little bit trickier to see as opposed to, you know, maybe having a telescope pointing away from our galaxy, away from kind of a lot of, a lot of that center part, that center region of our very own galaxy to then be able to image. So that might be why possibly, um, maybe we can get someone on space talk as it, for an interview of someone who was part of the event horizon telescope image of Sagittarius A. I'm going to go ahead and write that down so I don't forget. Um, so yeah, so that is everything. Well, guys, I just want to say thank you so much for joining this episode of Space Talk. I hope that you got to explore a little bit more or learn a little bit more of our universe in this episode. I hope you guys get to get outside and, of course, look up at the night sky and maybe catch some of these space objects. Um, if you are an astrophotographer, please do feel free to send me any pictures that you take of the sky. I always love to see and, of course, share um, all of the, the wonderful art that comes through from our glorious cosmos. So I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Make sure you get outside and look up at the night sky. And as always, add Astra.